0: You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Silicaga, and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Daw on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's the end of the week, everybody. We made it. Friday and baseball's all across this weekend. Conference tournament action.
2: It's awesome. The weather, it's warm outside. At least here, it's warm outside. Man, good weekend ahead, even though, you know, some of us will spend it working, but still enjoy the weather in the meantime.
3: Well, if you're here in Alabama, you know that this spring is going to be very short-lived. It's going to very quickly go from seventy-five to the to apocalypse to the apocalypse <laughs> to walking out with a film of water
2: <laughs> just covering your body and sweat from every orifice and pore of your body.
1: Well, let's look ahead to the fall then,
2: oh, and take the a look weather. at the
1: Auburn football schedule. And this segment was for yesterday, but we ran out of some time, and I said, you know what? Let's devote actually the time that it deserves and let's push it back to friday and so this was meant for yesterday it's now on today's show and i've got some interesting questions for you guys just examining the auburn football schedule for next season outside of alabama lsu and georgia which game in sec play is most likely to give auburn the most trouble in 2021 so basically i'm asking you for the under the radar
3: game that you think is going to give auburn a hard time so I'm specifically in sec play i yes. think you have to go it's not necessarily under the radar but i think my mind immediately turns to on the road at texas a&m at the start of november It's a cop-out answer it's a cop-out well, a cop-out it's, answer well who would you pick well i mean
1: obviously the groups the, the answer is coming from the group of Ole miss arkansas and texas a&m and whoa. then you chose whoa, whoa, the whoa, whoa, team whoa, whoa.
2: don't you don't you're overlooking some guys don't you overlook them
1: I'm not overlooking South Carolina. Don't you
2: overlook South Carolina. Uh,
1: I think that's actually going to be a smackdown. I, I that's we'll get to that later. I think yeah. that's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, I think that's going to be a smackdown. But you chose the team that it's like obvious, Lance. That's like, well, duh, It's okay. College
3: Station. You know what? I, will, I understand it, though. I will change my statement. I'm going to go Mississippi State for a couple of reasons. Okay. I think Mike Leach, year two, I think he's going to do some good things with Mississippi State. They had like five or six... Freshman on the all SEC team, this team is young, but this team brings back a lot of talent from last year's squad. And if he can get, uh, I believe, yeah, if he can get Will Rogers going a little bit, he can get that air raid going. Uh, I think Mississippi State's going to be a pretty difficult team to beat. Uh, playing their style of offense now I'm not saying that they're going to be world beaters or they're going to win nine or ten games I'm just saying that they're going to be a difficult opponent that nobody wants to play we thought that was going to be the case week after week one of this season it's like the and inverse
1: of the triple option you're you're never used to playing the air raid, right, right just right. like you're never used to playing the triple
3: option so it, it takes you out of your normal base game plan when you have to prepare for a team like Mississippi State so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you think about everything that Texas A&M lost. If they can't find a quarterback, they are done for. <laughs> so, turning to Mississippi State, however, they bring back so many different pieces. If they can start clicking, this team could give Auburn trouble uh, you know, just looking forward to that no- November schedule. There are a couple other teams here in this November schedule that would be opponents that Auburn would kind of want to... Pay more attention to not overlook. Yeah, you wouldn't want to overlook Texas A&M and Alabama, and you don't want to overlook the game at South Carolina. That's a revenge game, regardless of whether or not we think it's going to be a blowout. So, and
1: it's the week before the Iron Bowl. So, if you were going to have a trap game, if say South Carolina ends up being better than any of us would imagine, I still think it's going to be a bloodbath. But as Levi said, he thinks it's going to be a bloodbath. I'm with you. I think that's I think that's a blowout. But if you were going to pick a game that Auburn might be looking ahead a week. It would be that South Carolina game because the Iron bowl is the very next week. I don't think Auburn overlooks Mississippi State. You're coming back from a tough road test in College Station. I'm I'm fine with you selecting Texas a and I just felt like that was the easy answer. Let's let's dig a little bit deep, deeper, Levi. Do you have somebody other than Mississippi State?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here debating between two teams, so tell me if you have one of these two teams, and I'll talk about I've
1: got three on my say, list, the, but I haven't a, chosen a, one, so I guess I'm the cop I out say, here, a, right? A&M,
2: <laughs> A&M's the obvious one. That's, you know, that would probably but, be and, one and of literally, three. Literally,
1: I've got A&M on my list, and literally I only wrote one sentence for it. I, I said, College Station is a tough place to play. That's it. I'm not that, afraid of A&M's roster next year because of all they lost. Literally, it's just the fact that it's on the road.
2: That press box shakes when you're up there. It is absolutely insane. And that stadium is massive and it's very, very easy to go in there and fall asleep and lose a game to what I think will be an inferior roster that Auburn's going to be facing.
1: But you bring up the South Carolina game and it being a revenge game for Auburn and wanted to go in there and, you know, have swift retribution from everything that happened last year. The same can be said about the Texas A&M game because Auburn almost had them this year. And then on top of that, talk about getting pushed around in the trenches. They talk about getting manhandled. That's something that like doesn't sit right with your soul. You have to stew on that for a year. You know, in the past when you were able to go out for spring break. That's the stuff when you run into these guys at the beach, they start messing with you, you know. You hear stories about players running into each other from other teams and them talking down at each other after one team had a particularly bad season. Auburn players were even talking about that after the 2012 season, going into 2013, and that kind of fueled the fire a little bit. I think Auburn should have A&M on its hit list, if you will, of teams that they need to knock down this year because of what happened last season. I would include A&M and South Carolina on that hit list, but they are on my list, mainly just because College Station is such a tough place to play.
2: It's hard to play. The other two on my list, I've got Arkansas and Ole Miss. I'm a little bit less on Ole Miss because it is coming off of that bye week, so it might be a little bit more time to prepare. Arkansas, you look at them last year, an underwhelming season in terms of win-loss. But they were competitive in a lot of games. All right, you scratch Georgia. They were competing in the first half. Nah, didn't really put it together in the second half against Georgia. The other two real big blowout losses you have. Florida, okay, that makes sense. Alabama, okay, that makes sense. Everybody got blown out by Alabama. And then you look at some of the other ones that lost by two to Missouri, lost by three to LSU. Probably should have beaten Auburn if the right call was made at the end of the game. It's hard to make that call in real time, but they they could have easily beaten Auburn at that time as well. You know, they beat Tennessee, they lost by 11 to Texas A&M, they beat Ole Miss, they beat Mississippi State. There were, there were a couple, we talk about luck in the Ken ratings all the time for basketball, you want to talk about an unlucky football team that caught a couple of bad breaks in football last year. Right. I think it was Arkansas.
1: I think they deserve to lose LSU, but I'll give it to
2: you on the I mean, yes. Missouri
1: game, that was unlucky.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was just a lot of close games. When I, say, when I say luck, I don't mean like pure luck. I just mean like if something bounces one different way in that game they at any point. They just didn't catch the breaks. Yeah, they didn't catch certain breaks throughout some of those close games that a team like, the way I consider it in the NFL, the Seahawks, it always seems that they win those close games. Arkansas, and inverse in and college football, seem to always lose those games. So I'd be a little bit worried about them coming into this year just because I think this is a much improved team. You know, from what the previous tenure was with Chad Morris.
3: And I, I think you also have to look at the returning production, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you saw K.J. Jefferson in that uh, game against Missouri. He looked really, really good. He looked really good in that game. And you got guys like Traylon Smith, and you got your top two wideouts returning, Traylon Burks, Mike Woods. I mean, this could be a really talented offensive Arkansas Razorbacks team next year, and it's definitely something to look out for.
2: Fun fact, K.J. Jefferson has won a Heisman on my NCAA you know, oh, so you really? updated
1: the rosters to modern oh, yeah. day, a
2: hundred percent. And I won me a nice, uh, powerful Heisman with KJ Jefferson. So shout out to the shout out to the homie out, out there for winning me a Heisman.
1: So Heisman wide receiver Devontae Smith was not the first receiver in like thirty years to bring on the hardware. It nope. was KJ Jefferson. It was KJ Jefferson. Good for him. So I, good for good him.
2: him. I, Arkansas was one of those teams I was watching last year, and I kept going. Why do I know this entire roster? Is like, oh, duh. I had a San
1: Jose State running back in the Heisman race in my most recent season. That's impressive. Finished third it's all right it's all right he didn't deserve to be there (laughs) it was the touchdown total but you know when I get down to the one yard line I'm running that baby in you know that's how he got you know three quarters of his 25 (laughs) touchdowns he didn't deserve he didn't deserve to be there did you
3: have Nick Starkle former Arkansas quarterback on the team
1: no I I use the 2013 real life rosters and I'm only in like 2017 or 2018 right now with San Jose State so now I'm getting to you know randomly generated. Players, but his name is Jalen McCain. I'm pretty sure he was an actual real life player. I just don't know what he did at at San Jose State. So good for him. (laughs) He was there. He he got to be in New York. That's hype, right? You know, number to call 334 321 1390. We want to hear from you. What game on Auburn's schedule this upcoming year outside of Alabama, LSU, and Georgia? Those are the easy ones, obviously. Which game at SEC play is most likely to give Auburn trouble in 2021? Still going on with what you were saying about Arkansas this is going to be a telling year for Sam Pittman. They played hard for him last year. You would expect that when you get a new head coach. They're going to play hard for the new guy, but they were still unable to bridge that talent gap last season. That's why they lost a lot of games. They still had a losing season. That's why they weren't able to beat teams like LSU and Missouri, who maybe were more talented. Maybe not Missouri, but definitely LSU, even though LSU was having a little bit of a down year or a lot of a down year. But as you said, Levi, this team will not have forgotten how last season's Auburn game ended. You're right, that's a tough call. It went the wrong way
2: on the field, but they made the right call it's in a, the booth. You can't make that call. Like you it you cannot make that call in real time. It's a, that is an impossible real-time wrong call to call make.
1: call in the field, right call in the booth.
2: Yes,
4: 100%. and that's
1: why the game ended the right way for Auburn, but Auburn has to play them also after two physically taxing games in LSU and Georgia. And so especially after that Georgia game, you're wondering where this team is at right now after you've gone through the gauntlet of those first two games to open up SEC play. Where is this team at physically? Where is this team at mentally? Did Auburn go 0-2 through those first two games if they did? Well, is this a game that an opportunistic Arkansas team could possibly snatch up Auburn? That would be a terrible snowball effect for Auburn football to start the year off 0-3. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Auburn's going to split with LSU and Georgia honestly I'm feeling comfortable about Auburn winning in Baton Rouge this year I'm not so certain about Auburn beating Georgia at home this Georgia team is going to be a really good football team possibly the most talented Georgia football team that Kirby Smart has had up to this
2: point dude in the championship
1: that's right you're 100% right has that equated to anything as far as rings other than an SEC championship and doing anything in the playoff not really and I've said this many times on the record Kirby Smart has done little with more He's had more talent than most teams in the country, but he has done the least with that talent than any other coach would in college football. He, 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 it seems like he's made the team worse than what it actually is. The recruiting has just elevated him. So I think that Arkansas game, just purely for uh, the bulletin board material that Arkansas is going to have coming into it and that they're catching Auburn after... That Auburn doesn't get a recovery game there. That's why that bye week is baked in between Arkansas and Ole Miss.
2: I mean, that makes sense. It, it makes sense. Are you worried about Ole Miss at all? Are they you are on about my them? list.
1: Lane Kiffin's offense Woo-hoo! is going to challenge Auburn's defense this year. They're, they're, they're going to provide Auburn with probably some of the most diverse looks and a high-octane combination of passing and running that the SEC West is going to provide them this year. Alabama's obviously going to give them the most challenge on the offensive side of the ball against Auburn's defense. But then you look at the rest of the SEC West – I think Ole Miss probably is number two in that category amongst offenses that could really challenge this Auburn defense. And once again, that's amongst SEC West schools. But Ole Miss is going to throw a more diversified offensive game plan at Auburn than Georgia is. They're going to throw a more diversified offensive game plan than LSU is. And they've got the quarterback to do it. And we saw such a huge development jump for Matt Corral from his freshman year to his sophomore year last season. And he did that with all of the stuff that was circulating around college football with the coronavirus and guys not getting springs and the offseason and, and, and then the fall camp is not your traditional fall camp. And he makes this huge jump. What does it look like now for year three for Matt Corral, year two under Lane Kiffin's tutelage? Because Lane Kiffin knows how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. And although Matt Corral has been a turnover machine, he's also a yards and touchdowns machine as well and and there's no secret that this guy can throw it around the yard. He's losing some supporting pieces over at Ole Miss. Some guys are heading on to the next level, but we know that Ole Miss is going to provide more of a challenge for Auburn's defense than Arkansas is going to provide for Auburn's defense. But you also noted this, something that I didn't think about when I was making my list. I like that you mentioned that there's a bye week there because it gives Auburn time. To prepare for Ole Miss which is a game also at home which is going to benefit Auburn so you get the two weeks of preparation you get to heal up that is I I feel comfortable with Auburn against Ole Miss I would say the game that could trip the the two games that would trip Auburn up the most that are outside of Alabama Georgia and LSU I would say it's Arkansas and Texas A&M I like the fact that Auburn's got the preparation going into the Ole Miss game I think that that matters
2: yeah I think it matters a lot I was sitting here looking at it and I was trying to coin flip between Arkansas and Ole Miss so I decided to think i took it and said when are they playing them and Arkansas is tough because you're coming right off of at you know in Baton Rouge and then you're playing Georgia at home you're gonna that's a tough little two-game stretch even if LSU's on a down year you're still expending a lot because that's a that's a mental jump a mental blockade say Auburn does win in Baton Rouge this year that's that mental blockade that you're you expended so much over, and then you're going to give everything to Georgia because they've had your number the past few years. You want to give it to Georgia, and then you're just sitting there looking at Arkansas after that stretch, and you're, you might be gassed. Arkansas is looking to get you from last year. It could be a, it could be a tough little setup for Auburn to win at, in Fayetteville.
1: also think Ole Miss unwisely selected their bye week or got their bye week at an unfortunate time because they chose to put their bye week right before SEC play started their bye week will take place on September 25th right before they open up SEC play against Alabama on the road on October 2nd so then they've got to play on the road at Alabama they'll host Arkansas they're at Tennessee host LSU and then they play Auburn so they will have already experienced four SEC games three of which are going to be rather physical ball games between LSU, Arkansas, and Alabama, and you expect that Arkansas-Ole Miss game to be hotly contested because they're in that same tier of the SEC West, and they're going to be challenging each other. And considering it's that early in the SEC season, you would still expect Arkansas to be locked in that they hadn't, you know, they hadn't packed it in like they have in other years, you know. And so, Ole Miss. They're going to, Auburn's going to be fresh going into the game. Ole Miss is, is very possibly, they're going to have worn a lot of tread off their tires going into that ballgame.
3: Something else I do want to point out, point out about uh, Ole Miss, you were talking about the difference between Georgia's offense and Ole Miss's offense. I feel like talent wise, there is a significant drop whenever it comes it's to. It's like Ole Miss. hopping off of a cliff, yeah, man. Yeah, because you look at what they had last year. It's like, okay, they had some really talented receivers. They had a, a halfway decent offensive line, they had some good running backs. That receiver production is gone. It's completely gone. So Lane Kiffin's going to really have to work his players in order to make this offense click. And you, talk- is Jerry and Ely coming back? I believe he is coming back. I may be mistaken. Uh, yeah, he should be coming back. He's a sophomore. 745 yards last year. You have that uh, tandem with Snoop, Connor, and Jerry and Ely. But still, I find it really hard to believe that this Ole Miss team is going to be clicking whenever they come into uh in, into Jordan-Hare Stadium now I did make a prediction uh three or four weeks ago that Ole Miss is going to win 10 games this year that was my way too early preseason uh <laughs> SEC projections and looking at the schedule on paper it's like okay yeah they I can see them winning 10 did you have games. them beating Auburn um don't think I did no
2: it's also a look-ahead game for Ole Miss you know I mean, right. they might be looking ahead of Auburn because they got the the red Hot Liberty Flames coming in in the Hugh Freeze Bowl. Oh yeah, he's
1: missing, he, he's messing with everybody.
2: <laughs> I'm excited for that game. That game is circled on my calendar.
1: Yeah, but it's not a look ahead game, but I, I, I think they, they could lose the could Liberty be. game because of the fact that their bye week was ages ago <laughs> on their schedule, and then they just went through this tough SEC gauntlet. Yep. And we saw Liberty beat two Power 5 opponents this past season, Virginia Tech being one of those schools, Syracuse being another, and they only lost about like one possession to NC State. This Liberty team, obviously one of the best offensive teams in the country. They very well could snatch up Ole Miss I, I if Ole Miss doesn't
2: have the defense. I think they are. I, I, I'm, I'm already saying that Liberty's got this game against Ole Miss.
1: Let's take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about The games outside of Alabama, LSU, and Georgia that we think Auburn would be a lock to win next year. I don't even know why I even said Alabama, LSU, and Georgia because I don't think when you look at Auburn's history against those teams, (laughs) you can say that it is ever a lock when you play those schools. We'll be back with more of On the Line here on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you in the studio here on this fine Friday. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Which game in SEC play would you say is a lock for Auburn to win next season? Which game in SEC play would you say will give Auburn trouble next season? Outside, obviously, of, of the main ones, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Gentlemen, we just wrapped up that discussion. Now, which game in SEC play would you say is a lock for Auburn to win next season outside of that trio of death games every year for Auburn what you got for me
3: I think when you're talking about year one coaches and you have teams like South Carolina and you have teams like Auburn and they're going head to head you would think that that matchup would be somewhat equal but you again like we talked last segment you have to really look at the talent that these guys have on roster and I think when you look at the South Carolina game for Auburn they have way too much talent to go in there and lose year two and years in. in a row two years in a row i just don't see it happening so i'm going to say the south carolina game is a lock for auburn to win
2: is all three of us going to say that one um i like the game on uh, april 17th i think there's a good chance that auburn wins that game <laughs> <laughs> there's also a good chance they lose that, that game
3: that is an sec game i guess cuz you're playing auburn sure. the blue team or the white team that's a question
2: <laughs> ooh that's a good one no i mean i think south carolina is the one we're looking at the only thing that concerns me with that Is if they are looking ahead to Alabama, that is the only concern I have for that game. I think they are going to be locked and loaded. They put up one of the most what's word I'm looking for one of the most embarrassing losses I have seen in at least recent history. I'd have to go through and dig on some some of the other ones. I mean, we hit on those the other day, like the UCF or the USF loss uh, way back in 2007. UCF in that bowl game was embarrassing from the perspective that we were the team that had to play the villain in the Cinderella story. Last year, though, in conference play. Don't plate, you
1: just hate that? Wouldn't you rather Auburn be the Cinderella story rather than
2: have to be the villain? That that was a year of just... Because
1: when does Auburn ever, like, when they were the villain, won something?
2: Um, I mean, they were kind of villainized 2010, you know, depending on who you were. So we We kind of get blinded by the fact that we were fans of that team, but a lot of people didn't like the fact that there was all that scandal, you know, the cloud that was hanging That's around Cam fair. Newton. That's fair. And, uh, I mean, stuff like that. So we, How could you not root for that guy, though? It's, it's easy. It's easy if you're not a fan of the team. Trust me. I have heard people say it. We get blinded by it because I always think, oh, everybody loves Cam. And then I realize, oh, no, not, not everybody does.
1: Yeah, I just asked New England Patriots <laughs> fans this morning. You wake up to news about Oof. Cam Newton re-signing with the Patriots. You stumble onto Twitter into the Patriots fan base Twitterverse, and uh, they're not happy
2: about that. We'll talk
1: about that later on in the show.
2: Yeah, we'll save that. I've got a lot to say about that one. But, I mean, I think South Carolina, that was one of the most embarrassing losses I have seen, at least in terms of you. I mean, we've been blown out before. We've, We've been blown out by Alabama. We got embarrassed by Georgia last year. But the fact that that Auburn team last year was so much better than that South Carolina football team in terms of talent alone, and they went out there and just absolutely did not look like they cared to play football that day. That's embarrassing. I think they're not going to let that happen again. There are a lot of guys on this roster that, I mean, Bo Nix, for one, he was getting drugged by the media from that game. I think he Rightfully wants to, so. I mean, yeah, and I think he wants to go back out there and prove himself. And also, J.C. Horn's not going to be there next year. That was kind of the bugaboo that they were facing.
1: That's the game where Bo Nix haters, like... That was it. Oh, they crawled out of the sewer.
2: They were crawling out of the sewer to come talk about him and defend him.
1: (laughs) That was the last straw right there was that South Carolina game. And a lot of people had already jumped off his bandwagon already, which I thought was really premature after year one, considering he was a freshman. But year two, sophomore Bo Nix, that's where a lot of people that defended Bo Nix lost a lot of ground in that argument was because of the South Carolina game. And and you still haven't regained it because it, it really didn't get any better over the course of the season. South Carolina's mine. I didn't even have to think about it. Look, Auburn will not have forgotten how last season's game went. I don't think that Auburn ends up looking ahead to Alabama. That doesn't... Coach Harson does not strike me as that kind of coach to get caught that way. But he's also the kind of coach to where I feel like he wouldn't take kindly to the fact that his team got manhandled the year before. And although the game was close going down to the wire and Auburn was driving to take the win, you still felt like South Carolina controlled that game. You still felt like South Carolina owned you in that ball game. And Coach Harson does not seem like the type of coach who would take losses like that kindly. He's a he's a buff, tough guy, and he's going to get this team riled up and focused and and ready to go in there and show them who really is boss and who really owns this series and who really is the better team. And it's probably a good thing that Auburn gets South Carolina right before the Iron Bowl because you're not warming up against Alabama State you want to avoid injuries of course you don't want this to be a situation like what happened with Tua against Mississippi State a couple of years ago and he gets hurt going down the stretch of the season you would hate to see someone key get hurt in an SEC game that probably won't matter a whole lot at the end of the year But I do think it's good for focus reasons going down the stretch that maybe you don't check out against an Alabama State or something like that. This could be a really effective
3: tune-up game for the Iron Bowl to keep you playing at your best. I think another great – that's a great point. I think something else to also consider is like – you look at Brian Harson's mentality, you look at the motto that he's brought in, 1-0. Let's get, let's win our first game, and then we'll move on to the next one. He's not going to look forward to the Iron Bowl in this game. Like you said, he's just not that the type of The key will be,
1: can he keep the players
3: right. locked in and focused? That was exactly what I was about to say. It's like, well, will the roster have that same viewpoint? And then the other thing that I also want to bring up the f- is, like, Kevin Harris is still at South Carolina. I mean, we bashed this team. I, I, know, I know that they were terrible last year, but he was a pretty good running back. So if Auburn has trouble on the defensive line, if that 3-4 scheme isn't necessarily working, we could see, we could see uh, another Kevin Harris flex game. Who knows? But if South still, Carolina
1: runs all over Auburn in game 11, this season will have gone terribly.
2: That's the least of their worries at that point. I mean, they're, they're looking at a, a, a fan base who is going to be I'm rabid and Good call over their back. head.
1: I'm just saying, if it gets to that point, like if Auburn, if we're really afraid of South Carolina's running game going into Game 11, things went horribly earlier in the year. LSU would have beaten Auburn, Georgia would have dismantled them, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, like all these other teams. It would have been a very rocky year, just like it was last season. I think that's what you're looking at because Game 11 at that point. You shouldn't be worrying about your scheme. Like, everything should be kind of down. Folks should be locked in. Folks should understand what's going on on both sides of the football. They should understand the game plan by that, point, by that point and honestly be a whole lot more comfortable. But if that were to happen, I'm not saying that your point's wrong. He's a good running back. I just That would be crazy if Auburn struggled against that, that rushing attack in Game 11 when, by that point, you should be in late-season form. If this game was earlier in the year, like in the Arkansas spot, maybe. But... I think it's a good thing Auburn's probably not playing Arkansas before they play Alabama because if Arkansas hasn't mailed it in by that point that that could have been a that could have been a trap game for sure. But I don't think the South Carolina game at all will be a trap game because they know they know that they got beat by la, by them last year and they're going to have that game circled, which is good because they won't look ahead to the Iron Bowl.
2: You would hope so. You would hope that they're not. Uh, you hope that they have that game circled, which I think that they will. I think Coach Arson, with his mentality of coming in here. And really just thinking like that hard nose, that accountability type of mentality. I think he's going to go in and say, hey, I wasn't here last year, but uh, that's unacceptable.
1: I hope he took a look at that schedule and said, oh, you guys lost to South Carolina. We cannot have that. That is not okay. What were you guys doing? We're we're not doing that. So hopefully that changes. On the other side of this break, we talked with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And as promised, we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman on the line with us. Christian, how you doing today, my man?
4: I'm doing good how about yourself Noah?
1: We are doing great it's been a little bit since we've talked and I, I just want to r- run this question by you because I know you're also uh, like I mentioned a writer for the Auburn Plainsman I saw some big news coming out of the Auburn Plainsman kind of take me through that uh, the, the move to digital uh, thoughts on that?
4: Yeah I mean it was kind of just an unfortunate circumstance where that's just kind of how the newspaper industry is trending so we decided as a paper we already get more reads online anyway and especially with the pandemic and how that kind of affected the amount of papers that were getting picked up on campus. We figured it was best to just go online only. And so that's kind of what we're doing now, but we've been, we've been pushing out our content online. It's been going well. So
2: did you have any pushback with that? Did anybody just absolutely hate that y'all did that?
4: Uh, I mean, we got a couple people that were obviously very upset, but they kind of understood it at the end of the day. They were just upset that it happened, but they understood that there's not a whole lot we can do about it.
1: Well, and, and i'm gonna miss being able to pick up a paper you know and, and that was kind of where i wanted to take that direction i know i know that's probably a, a sore spot for you guys and you know i i think it's a you know i, I always really enjoyed picking up my paper on thursdays and fridays and, and being able to read it and see what's going on because you guys do great work so i appreciate all the great work that you guys do and all the all the wonderful issues that i was able to pick up and, and all the great covers that i've been able to pick up it's all those great sports covers so man just wanted to just wanted to take a second to say thank you and, and tell you tell you guys that y'all are appreciated
4: well, thank you. I appreciate that. And hey, if there's some big moments we are still going to be printing, you know, Auburn takes down a big Iron Bowl victory this year. We'll probably have a paper for that with a good good cover. So we won't fully, fully be done printing, but for the most part we are. So.
1: <laughs> well, uh, let, let's get into some Auburn basketball talk here. Obviously, we haven't spoken with you about the news on this yet, but Justin Powell, what is your major reaction from Justin Powell taking off in the transfer portal?
4: Yeah, I mean, that is a big blow to next year's team they are already very low on shooters and Justin Powell was the best shooter on that roster next year and so with him heading out that's kind of an issue you also thought maybe he would be the backup point guard either him or Jamal Johnson or maybe Bruce would bring in a transfer but now it's going to be just Jamal or potentially a transfer or a late recruit or whatever it may be but Justin Powell leaving was outside of Sharif Cooper him leaving probably deals the biggest blow to next year's team, in my opinion, because I think they really needed him. I'm fully confident he would have started at the two, and he would have made a big impact on next year's team. So it puts a lot of pressure on Trey Alexander coming in because he's going to probably be the best shooter on next year's team now, but he's going to be adjusting to the college game, so we'll have to see kind of what happens with him next year.
1: Are there any transfer guards that you think Auburn might be running running at or, or no names yet on that uh, on that cookie trail?
4: We haven't really heard too much yet. I think it's still a little bit too early with conference tournaments still going on and March Madness still yet to happen. But I'm confident that Bruce Pearl is putting in the work right now and his staff is putting in work to go find guys to potentially replace Justin Powell, start looking ahead if Shreve Cooper were to leave and looking for a guy that can plug and play as the starting point guard. So I'm confident they've got guys they're looking for. We just haven't heard enough about it yet.
1: We've got the SEC tournament on in our studio, and we've been eating up all the all the games and the great action at this time of year. As I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you are, and most people are out in the sports media business. Has anything shocked you about the SEC basketball tournament out in Nashville?
4: Actually, this is going to sound this might sound a little dumb, but I did not think Kentucky would lose to Mississippi State. I picked Kentucky to beat Miss State, and I picked them to beat Alabama, which obviously was quite wrong. <laughs> and we saw Alabama beat down on Mississippi State earlier today, but. That was definitely the biggest thing for me. Um, I just—I don't know. It's something about Kentucky. It's hard to ever really doubt them, but I—I I didn't doubt them, and it failed me yesterday.
1: You're not the only one in the studio, my man. I had Kentucky <laughs> beat Mississippi State. Levi had them winning the SEC championship. So I—I uh, I, I don't know if you were to that extreme, but who do you have winning the SEC tournament now of the teams remaining?
4: Yeah. So I picked Arkansas to win. I love um, it.
1: We're, we're we're Team Arkansas right here, my man.
4: Yeah, I was riding with the Hogs. I think they're playing so good. I think Alabama is obviously a very, very good team, and we saw that against Mississippi State, but I think the Hogs are just so hot right now, and Alabama's maybe cooled down a little bit from what we saw earlier in the season. I will say the sleeper team that I like a lot is LSU. I mean, they were up and down this year. They lost their fair share of games, but, man, can they score. They are really good. They're a team that, assuming they make the NCAA tournament, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go on a run to like the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or something like that, just because how many scores they have.
1: Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman, Auburn football spring practice. It's on the horizon. We all got that email of Auburn football media availability. What, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most, maybe, here headed into spring practice?
4: Yeah, I just can't wait to see how some of the position groups shake out, like the offensive line. They have so many different combinations they can do on that O-line. And we've been hearing things like Brendan Coffey gaining a lot of weight. And when he played last year, even undersized at right tackle, he didn't look awful. So I'm really curious to see how the offensive line shakes out. And I can't wait to get to that A-day game to kind of see a little bit of like a first depth chart. And also, I think it's in two weeks, not next Thursday, but the Thursday after, we do have a media availability window where we can go into the practice and see. So we'll be able to see some of that a little bit early
1: talking about that Auburn offensive line I think I've, uh, I think I've asked you this a couple times in the past and now we're getting to the point where maybe names are beginning to rise up like you mentioned Brendan Coffey already do you have uh, you may not have a, a five on a on depth chart right now for for yourself personally but um, do you expect there to be a lot of shakeup on that offensive line
4: yes I would say especially from last year's offensive line Everything is up in the air. I think the only thing I would say is solid right now would be probably Nick at center, but that's because there's not really too many other options. You know, they were trying to bring in Eric Wilson from Harvard, but he ended up going elsewhere. So unless they were to bring in another interior offensive lineman as a grad transfer, I would expect Nick Brown's at center. I would expect Keandre Jones at probably right guard again, because that's where he's most comfortable and he looks pretty good. I would expect Rodarius Ham to be somewhere on that offensive line, but I don't really know where that would be. I'm curious to see how healthy Killian Zaire is and what he looks like because he's a guy I could realistically see playing left tackle. Austin Troxel is another guy. I mean, there's just so many names that can play on this offensive line. So I'm really curious how that will shake out.
1: Moving forward, are there any other position battles off of the offensive line that really have your eye right now going into spring football?
4: So I don't know if this is much of a position battle, but the cornerback room is just so deep. There's six guys that could realistically play. You've got Roger McCreary. You've got Sean Miller, who just came in from West Virginia. Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, Marco Damio. And then you've also got Kamal Haddon, who's coming in from a So You just have so much talent at cornerback. I really don't know what they're going to do. I'm curious if one guy maybe moves back and plays safety alongside Smoke Monday since Jamie and Sherwood and Jordan Peters are gone. So I'm curious how um, cornerback will shake out because there's just so many guys. And then you look at nickel, too. Ladarius Tennyson probably has that locked down. So it's not like you can have somebody swap over and play nickel because they've got that position already locked down. So
2: We talked about receivers yesterday. Who do you feel is going to be you know, the, the guy? Who's going to be the guy who leads this team in receiving yards, receptions, what have you? And where do you think these guys are going to end up lining up in this offense?
4: Yeah, so Kobe Hudson is the guy that I'm really looking at. Um, him and Xavion Capers are probably the main two. I'm curious. I'm going to hopefully get to uh, ask Harson about this on Monday. The status of Avion Capers, because we did see him get hurt in that Citrus Bowl. But I think those are the two main guys that are really good. We did see Elijah Canyon get some good playing time um, in the Citrus Bowl. So I'm curious what he'll shake out. I don't really know what the role for Shedrick Jackson will be, to be honest.
1: Don't break I my heart. Don't know
4: if he's a... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if he's a guy that'll play that much. I haven't seen enough out of him in the years that he's been here. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he shakes out. And my kind of sleeper pick at wide receiver who, maybe not by the beginning of the season, but towards the end of the season, I think he'll be a big contributor, is Malcolm Johnson Jr. He's a very fast receiver, a lot like Anthony Schwartz. But I think he's a little bit more polished of a route runner than Schwartz was when he first got here. And he had that year to kind of ride the bench last year because he came in so late and he didn't know the system, so he didn't play. But I think by now he will have learned the system pretty well. And I think he could be a big contributor for next year's team, and he could be like one of those interior slot guys.
1: Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. Let's switch gears now to Auburn baseball. They've got a three-game series here to wrap up non-conference play. I don't know how much you know about the Little Rock Trojans. The the average IQ about the Little Rock Trojans is is, is probably pretty low out there. But what is the main what was the main thing that you might have your eye on going into this series this weekend?
4: Yeah, the main thing I just want to see is just kind of solidly get three wins. Little Rockies, I want to say five and five on the season. They are. Auburn is clearly a much better team. Auburn just needs to get three wins pretty comfortably. They've had some issues, obviously, with that Boston College game. And then UAB was a little bit shaky, but they did win it on uh, Tuesday, I believe. But I just want to see them come out and get three solid wins. They've got Cody Greenhill back tonight, which is good. Um Mason Barnett, I want to say, starting tomorrow, and then Trace Bright on Sunday. That's right. So it's another weekend where Richard Fitz is able to get some rest since he had that injury and he has not played to the standard that they believe he can to start this year. And then Jack Owen as well, I believe, will be back next weekend. And maybe Richard Fitz as well for that Ole Miss series. So it's nice that those two guys are able to kind of get a weekend off.
1: At some point, somebody's got to go back to the bullpen, right? Mason Barnett, Trace Bright are, are new guys to, to this rotation. But at some point, when you've got Greenhill back fully healthy, which I know he's pitching tonight, but you wonder if he's 100%. And then Richard Fitz dealing with some injuries. And then on top of that, you got Jack Owen, who's been out for a really long time. We talk about all the guys who have been hurt. And they've all been pitching pretty well, with the exception, I would say, Richard Fitz has been really disappointing compared to the expectations that have been thrown onto him going into this year. He's been very disappointing the last two starts that he's made Who's got to go back to the bullpen? Because do you turn away from Trace Bright? I think you would expect Barnett to go back to the pen. Greenhill, Owen are probably going to be the two guys for sure in the staff, maybe just based on how they've performed and the fact that you would have expected Owen to be back in the staff considering he's the oldest starter in the room. Is it possible that Richard Fitz goes to the bullpen?
4: Uh, I mean, if he continues to struggle, maybe. And if this injury kind of lingers, um, I believe it was a foot injury. He was dealing with something similar to what Cody Greenhill had. Not the biggest baseball expert here, but I believe it was something similar to that. If he, I would expect him to come back into the weekend rotation when he is healthy, but if he continues to struggle, I could see that being a possibility. I mean, he had huge expectations going into this season, and he just has not been able to live up to that so far. His velocity has been down a little bit. The breaking balls haven't been coming out of his hand as well. So I guess he is an option to move to the bullpen potentially.
1: If they're looking for a long reliever, he could fit because he's done that already. And I did not mean to make a pun out of his last name with Richard Fitz. So my bad. But uh, Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the good stuff you're putting out.
4: Yes, you can find me at auburnsports.com and theplanesman.com, along with uh, Twitter at Cclemente underscore.
1: Christian, hope you have a good weekend, my man.
4: Thank you. You too. Everybody enjoy the game. There's some good ones with softball, too, playing number four Alabama.
1: Oh, I totally forgot about that. I should have asked you about that, my man. Uh, Are you going to be covering (laughs) that this weekend?
4: Uh, I'll have my eyes on it. I'm actually covering baseball this weekend because our baseball guys are on vacation, but I'm definitely going to have my eyes on softball. That'll be a very fun series to watch and see how um, Matty Penta and Shelby Lowe can handle dealing with a team that's a different caliber than they've faced so far this season.
1: Well, uh, do you know what Plainsman Ryder is on the softball series this weekend then?
4: Yeah, I believe Jake Weiss, our sports editor, will be on softball this weekend.
1: Excellent. And uh, do you know what his Twitter handle is maybe for everybody to go check out that coverage?
4: Yeah, you can check out Jake at at the Jake Weiss on Twitter.
1: Well, that's simple enough. The Jake Weiss. <laughs> and uh, the Christian Clemente was on with us today. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. will wrap up our number one here of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay with us. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dawn, ESPN 1067, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamasports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports app. Also, find it on Facebook. Just search Radio Alabama Sports. Same with on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Got everything you need sports related. Once again, that's RadioAlabamasports.net. Big thank you there to Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman for joining us in that previous segment. If you missed any of that conversation, great insights about football, basketball, what's going on with Justin Powell. Even got into some Auburn baseball this weekend also. So if you missed any of that conversation, be sure to go and check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast. But before we wrap up our number one here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. An entrepreneur from Brooklyn supposedly has an eco-friendly approach to sausage making. The real question is, do they still taste good? A new episode of Shark Tank on ABC at 7. If watching people dig in dirt for gold is your thing, a new episode of Gold Rush is on Discovery at 7. A desk CIA agent moves to the field in a hilarious action-adventure. Melissa McCarthy stars in Spy on FX Movies at 6.45. Artificial intelligence is all fun and games until robots take over the world iRobot is on Sci-Fi at 6.30. In college basketball, conference tournaments are reaching the pinnacle. Who will claim automatic berths for the NCAA tournament? ACC tournament semifinal action on ESPN at 8 and a Big 12 semifinal in ESPN2. The Big East has a semifinal on at 8 on FS1. Two NBA games are on NBA TV as we resume from the All-Star break. At 7, the Denver Nuggets take on the Memphis Grizzlies. At 9.30, LeBron James and the Lakers host the Pacers. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Noah Gardner, Lance Dawn, Levi Fitzwater in the house with you here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up our number one here. Let's take a look at that SEC basketball tournament scoreboard and what's happening right now. Tennessee's running away with it on Florida. It's the 4-5 game, 14-12 left in the second quarter. Tennessee up 46-29. And Lance, uh, we we saw Fulkerson catch an elbow to the face, and he's out of the ballgame.
3: Yeah, uh, after um, Florida scored... Omar Payne was walking back to the other side of the court and he was kind of tangled up with Fulkerson. Fulkerson tried to step out of it and Omar slapped him and then like rotated around and just a straight elbow to the left side of the head. And Fulkerson went down in a heap. Everybody was fighting over it. Um, I actually thought it was a little funny considering uh, Fulkerson was sitting there clearly in pain and 15 feet away, every single player was fighting with each other and nobody was going to check on Fulkerson (laughs) to see if he was Okay. Um, he went to
1: the locker room he went to the locker room from from slow-mo replay it didn't look like he got hit that hard but he had to go to the locker room so obviously there's something wrong there which i I, yeah and you hate that you hate to see one of the best players in this specific basketball game fulkerson may have been disappointing at times this year but one of the best players
3: in this basketball game go out with an injury well this is what i was talking about during the break it's like you almost you struggle with vanderbilt and so you take that aggression out on on Fulkerson and obviously it's not panning out right now it's it's about to be a uh, I have this team going to the
1: SEC title I I have Florida
3: going all the way I had Tennessee winning this game but I didn't see it going like this I just didn't think that Florida was on a a very good trajectory heading into March and I thought Tennessee has been really inconsistent but I thought this was a game that they could win well they Uh, split
1: the regular season series Florida blew Tennessee out at or in Gainesville that is and then In Knoxville, Tennessee, that this was actually Tennessee's most recent opponent before the SEC tournament. Tennessee's last
3: game was against Florida, and they beat them by double digits. Right, so I expected Tennessee to come into this game and at least be competitive, and I didn't think uh, Florida had a great chance in this game, and obviously we're seeing that kind of pan out here. Obviously the game's not over, still 14 minutes left, uh, but Tennessee holding their own. The other game that happened today, Alabama just absolutely destroying Mississippi State almost a 40 point win guys something that christian talked about that i slightly disagree with he's like i feel like alabama's kind of you know falling off here at the end of the stretch and they're kind of cooling off it's like did you just see the game that they just played i mean i understand it's mississippi they State. they had up until they played mississippi state today it's like that is no longer the case i feel like so I, like, I don't know let's pump the brakes let's see how they play in the semifinal. like like you and like christian i feel like arkansas is going to win this tournament but looking at what alabama just did they're obviously uh, they're obviously doing something right. One of their guards, Joshua Primo, actually went down with an injury. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, see if that affects them at all. That could actually affect them moving forward. Look, if
1: Alabama gets hot and their offense is firing on all cylinders, Arkansas does not win this SEC tournament
3: championship. Don't you backtrack now.
2: I think the only – Don't you – Mr. (laughs) Alabama hater yesterday. Well, Arkansas
3: can score with them. I don't think Mississippi State ever had that chance. I thought Alabama was going to win this game. Alabama was favored by eight and a half, but I didn't see it going like this. Right. Alabama,
1: when their offense gets hot, and I said this on the show yesterday. They're getting hot. I had them on my list of teams that can win the national championship. Among the five teams that I felt like were the most likely to win the title this year. I had Alabama amongst that group at five. But it was all under the contingency Uh, that they got hot and the offense exploded today against mississippi state and i did not expect that they shot 48.5 percent from the floor they shot 36 percent from three this is the alabama team that when they get going their defense is always on they're a top three defensive efficiency team in all of college basketball their defense is elite what scares you is when their offense gets rolling because when they do there's no slowing it down that's why I said let's put the brakes on, on tomorrow. Let's see how it goes because they're playing a good defensive team regardless. Exactly. Florida I mean, they, and Tennessee are both good on defense. If they have a hard time tomorrow and maybe they cool back down, I think Arkansas will go back and win the SEC title game on uh, Sunday would be when those teams would play. But if Alabama decimates Tennessee or Florida tomorrow, I'm changing that pick. I mean, it, it's still it in my de- bracket, but still.
2: It depends. I mean, they could li- they could easily come out tomorrow and look – off, you know, look inept on the offensive side, and be cold, and be ice cold, and not be able to efficiently score. And then you are sitting there flipping it the entire way, and that's just what Alabama has been this season. It beat Mississippi State eighty-five to forty-eight. When they're on, they're on. When you score efficiently, or when Alabama scores efficiently, this team is almost unbeatable when they are playing their best basketball on the offensive end. Like you said, the defense always on for them they're a top defensive team in terms of efficiency in this country man mississippi state's season's gonna
1: end with them having gone one for 19 for three in a ball game Ugh. <laughs> that's hot alabama almost had double the field goal makes too Jeez. alabama made 32 mississippi state made 18 we'll be back with hour number two of on the line coming up on the other side of this break stay with us everybody lot of auburn football a lot of auburn baseball coming up in the second hour
0: You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at FoxSports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour
1: number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Great show so far, and we're going to keep it rolling. Here once again on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. Between the Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, we've got seven hours of local sports talk radio from 11 to 6. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. We opened up the show today talking some Auburn football, examining that Auburn football schedule. Also threw it out there to Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com and the Auburn Plainsman. Appreciate him joining us on the show today. If you missed any of our number one or you ever miss a show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'll start off our number two. Just the same, we started off our number one. Different topic, but still Auburn football. On the entire Auburn football team, what is the position group you are most confident in entering the
2: 2021 season? That one's easy for me. Running back.
1: Oh, I love it. We're on the same wavelength
2: there. I, mean, I thought you were gonna say defensive back, but I'm with you. I do like the defensive backfield, but if you're going with a position group that you're confident in and it's cra- it's crazy to say this because I'm confident mainly for the fact that I'm very confident in Tank Bigsby's ability and a little and you know, confident in Sean Shivers and Devin Barrett's ability to come in and spell him when needed and when necessary. You know what's wild? It's been quite some
1: time since we could say, yeah, I'm confident about the Auburn running back room.
2: God, it's been so long. It's been so long. I I like what they have. I mean, obviously, Tank Bigby's the best player on this team, and he's one of the best players in the country in terms of college football. But you also have guys who can provide meaningful minutes, you know, to not make him have to just get gassed the entire time. So I like what they bring to the table. I like the leadership that Sean Shivers brings to the table. I like Tank Bigby's ability. I mean, you are really high on Devin Barrett. We think he's going to end up taking a big role towards the end of the season as well. I like the running back room. You got the most talented kid on the roster. He's going to be the game changer for Auburn. I love it.
1: You got a future, you know, second round yeah. draft pick at running back right there. Maybe would even be. all the way up to first if he continues to, you know, ball out probably, every single season. Probably
2: would be a lock for first if uh they actually picked running, you know, if they valued running backs yeah. like they used to in the NFL. He's going to
1: be an RB1. He's, go. he's going to be one of the top tier Dynasty, running backs coming up when he gets draft eligible.
2: Dynasty fantasy football draft, when your rookie draft comes up and Tank Bigsby's available, just go ahead and get him. I'm just telling you, go ahead and get that guy. It all depends so on little. the
1: location, though.
2: Well, Dynasty's more or less ta- talent over situation. Redraft, though, you got to watch out.
1: Yeah, Tank Bigsby may be the best running back, returning running back, I should say. Yeah, I'll put that asterisk there. Best returning running back in the country shivers and barrett they're going to emerge i think as good support pieces as you said levi's spell pieces i like the versatility of this room as well in terms of being able to contribute in the passing game i I like the fact that these guys all i believe can catch the ball out of the backfield auburn for some reason wanted to throw the ball to shivers you know like 15 yards down the field on like wheel routes where it didn't quite make sense because he's not going to win one-on-one opportunities against a defensive back or maybe even a linebacker all you got to do is rough them up a little bit and that ball's coming loose but i think out of the backfield any one of these guys can do some serious damage catching a screen out of the backfield or possibly you know an angle route just you know your traditional running back routes your check downs i think they could do some serious damage right there just go and look at how texas a&m did most of their damage with kellen Mond. check down charlie was hammering at home with running backs all the
2: time You mean Texas A&M, Alex Smith?
1: Yes. (laughs) So I really like this running back room for for all those same reasons that you and I were talking about. The only other unit that I possibly would have gone with here was defensive backs, but my primary concern with that group is they're too closely linked to defensive line play, and defensive line is actually one of the least confident units I, I, I have right now going into the 2021 season.
3: I'm gonna go with the defensive back group. I'm gonna go with cornerback specifically. Just so I feel like that, like uh, Christian talked about earlier. Like there's just so much talent that Auburn has at that position. You've got guys like uh, Smoke Monday at the, in the secondary at the safety coming back. You've got Kamal Haddon, the West Virginia transfer. You've got Jalen Simpson. You've got so many different pieces in that secondary. Marco Domeo You didn't
1: say Roger McCreary, Roger dude. Roger
3: McCreary coming back. I, How you did know, you forget the best one? I'm looking at him right now. I was just gonna, I was <laughs> gonna leave him for last, but you know. Auburn's got so much talent at that position, and I've had an issue with their secondary ever since I've been an Auburn fan. It's like, I feel like the... the, the Steele coached his secondary to play the receiver and not play the ball, and that frustrated me to no end because that resulted in so many different pass interference penalties. Anytime I felt like a team would chuck it deep on Auburn, it would be either P.I. or a touchdown. And it was so frustrating to watch, especially in that, look at 2018 Tennessee, those one-on-one balls. It would be either P.I., or a huge gain and like you never would they actually defend or go play the ball or get an interception get a deflection get a tip and so I feel like with these guys coming in I feel I feel confident with our talent now I don't know how uh Harsin and this is uh coaching staff is going to coach these players to play but I'm I feel confident with the talent that we have in 2021
1: they're the second most confident group because of the talent
3: I just have a hard time does the defensive line not worry you no, because if we're talking about like singling out specific groups, like not relevant to other position groups and how they play, I feel like this is the, this is the most confident I am because if if they just do – Just talent alone, yeah, not because they're alone. linked to anything. Yeah, if, if they're linked to the defensive line, then that's definitely a concern, 100%.
1: That's the whole reason why I didn't put them down because at the end of the day, the way this defensive backfield performs, it's going to be closely tied to how that defensive line performs in yes. terms of – run stopping and in pass rushing or primarily pass rushing but also in run stopping because I felt like Auburn was one of the worst teams in the SEC at tackling on the perimeter last year and these defensive backs didn't do a very good job of it you know Christian Tutt became the player that a lot of folks you know he became the scapegoat of that Auburn defensive backfield but smoke Monday I was underwhelmed with Jamie and Sherwood a lot of times I felt like this group talked a little bit too much last year
3: for how they were getting cut up, not only in the passing game, but also in the, in, the, in the rushing attack. For sure. They gave up, what, 265 yards passing a game? I mean, you can't do that. You can't do that in the SEC. You can't do that in a Kevin Steele defense. There's a reason why he, 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 was, uh, he was fired, and then Gus Malzahn was fired. It's like Auburn's got a chance to be really good this year with the new coaching staff, though, in the secondary. I feel very confident as an individual group that they will perform well. Now, Zach Etheridge has probably got his most talented group of – defensive backs that he's ever had right now whether or not the defensive line plays well will will reflect on the secondary because like you said if they can't get home it's going to be really difficult for the secondary to like hang in with the with uh, sec receivers but i i have confidence in this group individually in 2021
1: best player in that defensive backfield it's roger
3: uh, McCreary, it's roger McCreary yeah. hands down
2: you're, you're confident in that group you're confident in the group by itself the problem is what's the defensive line going to do right. i mean that's the big question they they might even play – you probably are going to see the defensive back group play well. You know, Let's put it in this situation where if the def- defensive line does not play up to standards that we need, then you're going to see this uh, defensive backfield, I think, play well but also give up a lot of yards because they're covering for so long. And people are going to start saying, oh, well, I thought this was the most talented team. And just remember, if the defensive line is playing terribly and not getting any sort of pressure, you got to remember that it's not – it's it's very hard to ask your defensive backfield to cover for so long, especially in the SEC with some of the arms that are gonna, you know, some of the the way the offenses have opened up in SEC play over the years.
1: Phone lines are open, three three four, three two one, thirteen ninety. We want to hear from you. What say you? Which position group are you the most confident in entering the two thousand twenty one football season for Auburn? What separates the running backs for me from the defensive backs is last season Tank Bigsby proved. He don't need no offensive line to be the man in the house. He don't need no offensive line to go and run over, folks. That man breaking tackles left and right. He doesn't need an offensive line to do damage. I feel like that group, out of any, you know, obviously you need an offensive line to be consistently successful on the ground. But Tank Bigsby, if there if there was a position group out of any position group, because in football we've already talked about this, ultimate team game, they're all connected, they're all interlocked. But if there was a position group last year that succeeded in spite of the failures of another unit, it was that running back room, 100%. And
2: it's not even close. I mean, that was the one. That was the position group that, you know.
1: And it was just Tank Bigsby because I don't think yeah. Shivers – succeeded in spite of the offensive line i think he very much so needed the o-line and everybody else but tank bigsby tank bigsby is a guy who can turn a negative three yard rush and have a plus six yard swing and turn it into a three yard rush you know like tank bigsby's not losing yardage i think a big reason why we saw a huge dip in tackles for loss accredited to that offensive line like two years ago that senior laden offensive line at 2019 had much more or had more tackles for loss allowed per game than last year's offensive line did, believe it or not. Now, I'm not talking about sacks. That's a whole different ballgame. 2019's offensive line was one of the best pass-protecting units in the SEC, according to sacks per game. Last year's unit, obviously, was horrendous, and it was in a couple of fewer games. But in terms of tackles for loss allowed per game, last year's offensive line was actually better than the one two years before it. But I think a big part of that and why there was just that marginal difference was because Tank Bigsby, he don't need no offensive line. That man... Breaks tackles left and right, and he doesn't take losses. He's a smart running back for his age. The vision, the balance, he's all gonna get. He's gonna get better this year. You see the biggest jump from a player in his first year playing to a second year playing. Can y'all believe that? Like this guy's going to get better. And there was a video on Auburn football's Twitter account the other day of him ringing the bell Mm -hmm. after bitch pressing all the weights. (laughs) That's why he doesn't need an offensive line, gentlemen. You want to change your answer Lance? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I don't I'm, I'm stick with it. I like it.
3: I'm, I'm going <gonna>, <laughs> to stick with it. I'm confident in the secondary. And you know the the only thing if we're talking about in relation to another group outside of Bigsby, if we're talking about the running back room and the running back position, like these other running backs if they don't have an offensive line like you said are They're going to struggle. struggle. Yeah. So, if, if we're talking about in relation and then individually, individually I feel like Tank Bixby's the guy, and then outside of him, I don't really see much, much else. Sean, there's not a whole lot of quality depth no, you're talking about. No, no there's not. Um, but if we're talking about linked, it, the, the rest of the room may struggle. out Individually, I think Bixby's a talent, and alone he can carry that position group.
2: You don't have to worry about the rest of the position group because you have a guy like Tank Bixby. They like, won't get carried. As long as, it, as long as they're competent enough, and you have seen that Sean Shivers can provide you couple good runs here and there and a couple good plays. And then we're all high, or at least me and Noah are high on Devin Barrett. I think he's going to come along and help spell him out as well. We could well, be wrong. That's just on a gut feeling. I, just like, I like what he brings to the table. I like the talent he brings. But well, again, former
1: coaches like Tim Horton have said that it was not a talent thing, and now he's back. Was that out of necessity, or was that because they really think that he is going to be better at running back than where he was everywhere else? I don't think you ever see a guy go back to the position that he originally left from.
2: Yeah, it's rare that you see that. I
1: don't know if I've ever seen that before.
2: Not, in, not unless they come from, like they change positions in college, and then they change back to the position in the NFL, a la like a Nick Marshall type. Uh, you just don't see it. You don't see someone go back to that position they started with within college. You see that change be made at the next level typically.
1: Lance bringing up depth or quality depth for this running back room. You're 100% right. If Tank Bixby goes down with an injury, this running back room instantly becomes one of the worst backfields in the SEC. Because Sean Shivers is not an RB1 anywhere in this league, and I'm having a hard time placing him at, at an RB2 in most of the top half teams in the SEC. So, And then Devin Barrett hasn't been in the backfield in two, three seasons now. Last time he played running back was 2017. So you're spot on. With quality depth there. If Tank Bigsby gets hurt, which he did this past year, if he gets hurt this season, this group instantly becomes one of the worst running back one of the worst running back rooms, one of the worst backfields in the SEC.
2: It's crazy. It's crazy how that it can go that drastic. And that we're so confident simply based off of the fact that Tank Bigsby is such a great talent at the running back position. Only if this offensive line
3: can improve. Imagine how amazing he would be. If this offensive line can improve, then this running back position may be one of, if not the best in the SEC. Because he, because if, if you bring Shivers in and he's got kind of an offensive line, dude will run hard, and if he can get a hole, if he can hit the hole, he's gone. He
1: hits it hard, you're right, he hits it hard. So Shivers is fun to watch run the football. Uh, you, you wish that, and Tate Bigsby runs like he does, he runs with meanness, he runs with intensity. You wish that some of these other running backs that Auburn's had over the last couple of years, like Cam Martin and some of those other guys, Jatarvis Whitlow, Whitlow ran mean. Like, and DJ Williams, run mean, please! Like, have the heart that Sean Shivers has got to go and just lay it all on the line. I mean, when Sean Shivers gets hit, it looks like a car collision. I mean, it's just um, flailing everywhere. I love it though because he's running hard and you know he knows he's got to to get onto the field. It's like Rudy, man. He knows he's got to lay his body on the line just to get on the field. And I love the fact that he plays that way, and that's a big part of why he is, you know, one of the leaders of this backfield. I think he is the leader of the backfield because he's experienced. He's a veteran. He's a culture guy. All of his players around him talk about being him the leader. Parsons going to love his attitude. You just wonder if he loves the skill set. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Stay with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama.
0: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
1: Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance had to head out. He's headed into the studio. Auburn High Baseball this afternoon. doubleheader header on 96.3 W. Lee. I'll be there for the second game. Scott will have the first. I'll be joining him on for the second game. He'll be there for both of them. So um, the first pitch for the first game is at four, and then the second one should be starting at approximately seven. But you know, in these tournaments and these doubleheaders, sometimes they don't start on time. But once again, both of those games can be heard on ninety W Lee. this Auburn high baseball team, fantastic. Love watching them. They're a one-loss team right now, and honestly, they, they look like one of the best teams in the state, if not the best team if, in the state. So
2: If they're not the best, they're one of the best for sure.
1: Yep, and Friday night, baseball with Scott Bagwell. I'll be there with him for the second game um uh, i just i love being around the baseball field and so this this is gonna be fun for me tonight just to just to be there at a, at a baseball field and watching some good baseball so auburn high tonight in action on ninety six three w league continuing on here on on the line on espn 106.7 and on fox sports central alabama follow fox sports central alabama on facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports on the line the drive with bill cameron analysis news and more all on Fox Sports Central Alabama, on FoxSports983.com, and on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. Auburn baseball in action this weekend, a series against Little Rock today starting at 4 p.m. Levi, for you, and we've already touched on this a little bit about what we know about Little Rock. That was on our show yesterday. If anybody missed we took a deep dive into, you know, what who is this Little Rock team? What do they do well? What do they do not so well? Honestly, a lot they, of it was. What do they not do well? They don't, they don't do a, do a whole lot well.
2: They don't do a lot well. That's, that's what we figured out from that conversation. There's not a lot of things they do very well. What's the most important thing for you about this weekend for Auburn Baseball? I'm going to see the bats be consistent. I mean, that's usually they've been awake. They've been doing well. Uh, I want to see them put last weekend behind them. Playing
1: I, a bad staff that's got a team ERA of yeah. 5.29. They Guess should, what? They have two guys... With a 54
2: ERA, they two, be, uh, that's crazy. And then a third has a 27. You, Auburn should be able to hit this team. Auburn should be able to hit this team very easily. It shouldn't be a problem for them if we, we should see it. Putting the quarter into the merry-go-round, man. If, we eh. should be going around and around and around. If we see a day, I, I'm honestly going to be disappointed if we see a day where they don't hit incredibly well. I would be disappointed. Thirty in runs answer. a bust. Not, not, not that much. I mean, I, w- I would like to see another 30-run game. But, I mean, if you see a game where they maybe score two runs on a couple hits, you're going to be disappointed, at least in terms of what you've seen. Unless, unless you, it's a Sunday and you mailed it in you gave some guys the day off. and Maybe something like that I'd understand. But other than that, they should be able to hit this pitching staff with relative ease. Do you watch the Netflix series Cobra Kai? Cobra Kai. I haven't actually got to watch Cobra Kai yet. Phenomenal.
1: Phenomenal. I, I Do you mean, have Netflix? Uh,
2: yes. I mean, you know how I feel about the Karate Kid though. That wasn't a legal that wasn't a legal movie at the end.
1: Well, they talk about that in Cobra Kai. Such a great oh, such good. A great Netflix. Oh, I series. probably should watch
2: it then because, you know, Johnny was, you know, obviously not the, you and sting
1: uh, have talked about this to a degree so i know that's where you're getting a lot of this and
2: i, I just i
1: well sting <laughs> prompted me to watch cobra kai and i have and you know, obviously the motto of cobra kai is you know strike hard strike fast no mercy and, uh, and, and i know it's strike hard it's strike first my bad yeah. yeah sorry not strike fast and uh yeah do it auburn go for it channel that inner cobra kai and go and lay it on little rock this weekend because honestly, th- this should not be a close series whatsoever. I don't think there should be a close game this weekend. Obviously, baseball is weird, but I would like to see this team fully close the book on what happened last weekend with a big series against Little Rock. The most do- important thing for me though this weekend, get your arms healthy and don't suffer any more injuries on the mound.
2: Do we know who the Do we know who the pitching rotation is for this weekend? It's I going to be Green Hill.
1: It's going to be Green Hill tonight, Barnett tomorrow, and then Bright on Sunday.
2: That's good. So I Green like Hill
1: that. is back. But if you're Green Hill like just make it out of the weekend alive dude like don't get hurt don't get hurt and you know please none of the others get hurt as well like at some point the injuries have to stop and you got to get guys back healthy you hope jack owens coming back pretty soon you hope richard fitz is getting back pretty soon it's unfortunate to see that both of those guys are not considered probables for this weekend i don't know if either of them are available for bullpen work i would imagine we probably don't see him this weekend I mean, Which I'm is tough sure. considering uh, not Arkansas. Ole Miss is next weekend.
2: I think it might be more indicative of the fact that it's who you're playing and they want them to be 100% healthy for Ole Miss. They don't want them to go no. out there this weekend and even pitch well but then maybe suffer a minor setback in their recovery. You want these guys at 100% going into Ole Miss. I, I understand it from that perspective. I think that's probably, if I was to take a guess, that's what this staff is looking at when they do it. I'm, I'm excited to see Greenhill back on the mound. Ready to see that for this Friday. And I want to see if Trace Bright can keep it up. I mean, he's been a very, very good Sunday pitcher so far. I think he is, if I'm being honest, I think he's locked into that Sunday pitching role moving forward because we've seen at it least two weeks I in hope. a row. I hope so. He's looked good in the Sunday role. So I feel
1: more confident in him than Richard Fitz at the moment. I agree. I and agree. Because he's at least done it
2: against an SEC-quality team. He locked down A&M. That says something to me. And he was pitching pretty well Sun. I mean, he pitched pretty well the last, I mean, the last few times we've seen him, and that's... I mean that's that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for out of a guy who is you know transitioning from midweek guy into or midweek and some relief role into more of the weekend kind of guy. So I'm hoping that he keeps it up this Sunday. That's one thing that I'm gonna be looking forward to. He should. This is a much inferior opponent. This is probably some of the worst competition that Auburn has faced up to this year outside of Alabama A and M. I would say this is probably the next worst team that that Auburn has faced. We go on with the sweep. I mean, I th- think I think in sweep. I'm thinking sweep. Um if they drop a game, I wouldn't be that disappointed. I wouldn't be I will be. I'll be disappointed, but it depends, no mercy. On, it depends on what it is. It depends on why. Like if, if they go out there and they're just cold at the bats or the pitching staff gets rocked in some way, shape, or form, then I'm gonna be upset.
1: This is a five and five Little Rock team, and, and here are the should. ERAs of their probables. Five point six eight today, Aaron Funk, the senior righty. He's a senior and he's got a five, six eight ERAs owned one on the year. On Saturday, it'll be senior right-handed pitcher Hayden Arnold, 1-1, 8.49 ERA. And then redshirt junior lefty Jack DeCuman, 0-1, 4.15 ERA. You're not facing a good arm. They're 5-5. Five five. Their best wins are over teams that have uh, – their best win is over Oral Roberts. And that's you know? just
2: because of who Oral Roberts ended up beating. So, Because I, I mean, they
1: took two out of three against LSU yeah, this past weekend. Yeah, Oral Roberts we, yeah. is 4-8. And then last weekend they beat a one and nine North Alabama team.
2: Those three wins make up three of their five. You, Auburn should win every game this weekend. Again, I want to. I don't want to say that I'm because I, I would be disappointed if they do lose if they do drop one. But I'm also going to have to see what happened in that loss to to really because that would change me from being just disappointed to being worried and or panicked about something. If I see something that is consistent over the weekend that ends up costing them a game then i would be i would shift my from disappointment to just outright we have a problem here and i'm hoping that doesn't case i mean i don't think that's the case i think auburn should sweep They're a much better team They're this is again weakest competition outside of alabama a&m that this auburn baseball team has faced i have confidence in them i'm excited to see cody greenhill back on the mound i think he's gonna wheel and deal and i think he's gonna you know put himself back and show that he's healthy just get out of the weekend. Don't get hurt again. I want to see what Trace Bright does on Sunday, and I want to see if uh, these bats can keep it going. They woke up a little bit in that UAB game. Let's see if they can keep it going.
1: My perspective on this, and I've had some people say that I'm, a, I'm being a little too critical of Auburn baseball, and the reasoning is because it's early in the season. Look, SEC play's about to start. You think Ole Miss isn't going to be ready for that series? think Ole Miss isn't going to be chopping at the bit to take three out of three? in that weekend to try and sweep you you can't take a sweep it's not good to start off sec play with a sweep that puts you behind the A ball and you want to be able to afford yourself later on in sec season for whatever reason because baseball is baseball to be able to take a sweep later on you really don't want to take two sweeps because then that's zero and six across six games that really puts you down in the standings and hurts you moving forward it's not the end of you but you're really toeing the line at that point to have a successful SEC baseball season when you get swept twice, you can't afford that. This Auburn team—it's really not that early in the year anymore, guys. Like SEC play's beginning; we're about a month in. A month—a month into the season is when SEC play starts. You're a month in. Right it's about time you start picking some stuff up and moving on. This—this this group is talented. This group is—is is injured right now. I get all of those reasons, but I—I I, I don't think that you know. Look, if, if they do only win two out of three, whatever. Like, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. But you still, like, I want to know that you're dominant. This is Little Rock. This is Little Rock. They're 5-5. Five and five. This is not anywhere akin to any type of competition you're going to play in the league. You can see- I think it's okay to expect Auburn baseball. If you're going to talk about this team in the same sentence as Super Regionals in Omaha on a year-in and year-out basis, it is completely fair to expect them to handle their business against teams like this
2: and I agree with that notion but are we convinced that this team is super regional Omaha you know I think
1: talent is there to reach it I just haven't seen it come to fruition yet and
2: I I think that's why I'm a little less hard because I'm not sure if this team is there yet I'm just not sure I know they have the talent but I'm not sure if they're there yet you have a lot more you have a lot higher expectations for this team you've also followed Auburn baseball a lot longer than I have and you know the type of guys that we have on that roster.
1: I've always been a little bit more critical. I'm I'm never about that like, oh well it's early in the season. I don't
2: well, think I've ever been about that. Me and you are pretty critical with Auburn in terms of every sport, you know, more so in terms of like we were very critical of Auburn basketball at certain times this year. I think baseball, this is where you're you can really see what they are in terms of how they handle Little Rock right before SEC play starts.
1: I just think it's fair to have expectations. No, it is. If this team's this talented, if this team's this experienced, I I think it's fair to be you know a little down on a team that's blown a couple of leads this year and hasn't looked great in some in in some games at times. Like I think it's fair to expect Auburn to go out there and dominate teams like Little Rock on a consistent basis.
2: I think that's the difference between our opinions on this Auburn baseball team. You. You've seen them. I know
1: what they're capable y-
2: you're, of. Yeah, you have higher expectations. Me, I see them blow leads and do stuff like that, and I'm thinking this might just be the baseline for what they are this year.
1: On the other side of this break, we'll come back. We'll talk Cam Newton resigning with the Patriots. Nick Markakis with the Braves retires after 15 years. We got a lot coming up here. Still 30 minutes left of on the line. Stay with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: 30 minutes left of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. 30 minutes the drive with Bill Cameron will follow us here as they do every weekday from 4 to 6 on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Great show so far today, but it's not done yet. Still got 30 minutes left of On the Line. Still some baseball talk here, steering away from Auburn baseball as we were just wrapping up uh, preparations for our Auburn baseball series against Little Rock. That game starting at 4 p.m. of the Friday game tonight. Cody Greenhill on the mound. For Auburn, Atlanta Braves news here: Nick Markakis retiring from baseball after a 15-year career that featured stops in Baltimore and in Atlanta. You look at some of his numbers: two uh, two eighty-eight batting average, three fifty-seven on-base percentage. This guy's a hit-for-average kind of player, but he's also he's also had some some pop in his bat from at, at time you know from time to time in his MLB career. He he did have a couple of. 20 plus home run seasons but I wouldn't you know necessarily you know qualify Nick Marcakis as being your power bat in the lineup just a good hit uh a good average hitter there at 2 uh, 288 across his career some of his best years I feel like he enjoyed you know most recently with the Braves especially in 2018 and 2019 he was a stud in the lineup for Atlanta and, and a very much very much so welcomed player into that order a part of this Braves a part of this Braves team that has been through some rough spots, but now the last couple of years they're enjoying the fruits of their rebuild. And maybe, who, who knows, maybe they'll get a World Series out of it. But Nick Marquecas huh. also, yeah, I know, whatever,
2: says the guy wearing a royal shirt. We've only had one less than y'all do. Yeah, but, and it, y'all have one more recently. And One of y'all came in 1914. Did that even yeah, but count? Y'all,
1: y'all are having a really hard time right now.
2: Hey, this is what we got to do. We're a small market team. We, we uh, get good for a few years, blow it all up, rebuild for five years, and then we're right back in it. Just for one or two years of having good seasons. <laughs> we'll a, stink
1: for eight years, but we're going to be good for two, darn it. That's
2: what small market teams have to do. That's what the Houston Astros did. Because once they, you get good, the Yankees come in and say, we'll pay everybody. And the Dodgers now. The, the do- Red Sox. They, or, they come in and scoop all your guys up, and you just don't have that salary cap to pay, or you don't have that payroll to pay for it. And in a non-salary cap sport, you're going to be hurting. We'll get into that later on in the summer, how the salary cap can affect everything in that regard. But good career, Nick Marcakis. Right Three-time
1: on. Gold Glove winner. He holds the record for consecutive games without an error for an outfielder at 398.
2: That's impressive. So
1: that's why I posed the question here, which is the Braves? I don't think the Braves are going to miss Marquecas too much other than you know a tip of the cap. This guy was a great player for your organization. He's a veteran, and he played hard for the team, and he did... He did some great things with the Braves, and he is a well-liked player, and so he will be missed in that way. But I don't think that the Braves are going – this isn't too too think, big of a blow for an Atlanta Braves depth chart in the outfield that's ta- loaded with talent. Yeah,
2: talent-wise, I don't think it's going to hurt him. I agree with you. It's more of a tip of the cap, just like, hey, you know, you might miss his veteran leadership. You might miss that guy in the clubhouse. But in terms of just talent-wise, I don't think that this team is going to miss him that much.
1: Going into – this season they still have marcelo zuna who ended up being a huge bat last year Oof. for the braves christian pash ronald acuna obviously uh Andrew Inciarte's ncr lifeless bat right now still a part of the organization but he and i guess his fielding as well has taken quite a hit a little bit because that's pretty much what he's out on the braves for right now is to be a solid center fielder or or you know just period be just a solid field fielder out in the outfield Ender Inciarte uh still part of that group as well um Austin Riley listed on the depth chart out there johan camargo as well could could appear but that's pretty deep down the depth chart you're you're solid outfielders for the braves ozuna passion and acuna and then Ciarte. you know every once in a while we'll get out there too but you know that's been a pretty bad spot for the braves in the lineup for NCRT, for somebody that was a bright spot not that long ago but it was during when the braves stunk and then maybe their first good year that they had you know three seasons ago when they first won the division three years ago but Three straight winners of the division. Uh, three years straight, they've done that. Braves look like they might be on track for that again. They have beefed up their staff a little bit. You get Soroka back, Max Freed as well. Dominant pitchers themselves. Charlie Morton a- a- added to it. Ian Anderson was a good was a good look last year, and then right now the fifth guy in the rotation, according to the ESPN depth chart, Drew Smiley as well. So um, yeah, I-, I think we're going to be all Smiley <laughs> with this with this Braves pitching staff and and with this Braves order. This Braves team still looks like they should be the front runner. Of the NL East, just got to make it. Just got to make it happen in the postseason, as you bring up oftentimes. Maybe,
2: I mean, what what what, is, what have the Braves done for me lately? Do, do it in the postseason. I mean, come on.
1: You're 100 percent correct. You got to I mean, last year losing it in the NLCS. Yes. You got to and and you had the lead and you blow the lead. To, you got to get to, to the World Series.
2: Up, I'm trying to look something up real quick. I'm, I don't know when Atlanta's actually. Oh well, this isn't in order. Um, I was trying to find one that had it in order, but uh, for division odds and you know world series and championship Um, odds but we'll get to that another day. Braves have to
1: be the front runner right now right? I
2: think for their division I would assume that they're the front front runner. I'm trying to scroll through this. Yeah I mean they're yeah they're plus like 125 to win. I mean the next the Mets are at plus 250 so I mean they're the front runner right now with the Mets trailing behind them. Then you got Washington and then it goes down to Miami and Philadelphia.
1: Some other professional sports news. This one a little bit more closer to home to Auburn fans out of the NFL. The Patriots this morning we were all awoken to news of cam newton re-signing with the patriots and right now the narrative and i've seen this on espn on television i've seen folks talking about this can new england they've asked this question can new england win with cam newton the question that everybody should be asking is can cam newton win with new england because i am not putting the blame on cam newton right now for what happened in New England this past season. How about you get a receiver? How about about you get a running back? How about you get just somebody that was drafted to play for this guy in a skill position? Because to put it all on his shoulders like they did last year, because they did, let's just be real. Did you see the offense? And, of course, I think the offense was tailoring it to his skill set. They had him running the ball often. But it was obvious that the offense is built around Cam Newton, his skill set, and they were putting it all on his shoulders. There's only a few quarterbacks... There's only a few quarterbacks in the NFL, very few, only the most elite, can win without talent.
2: And, it's the, it, it's reminiscent and Cam Newton's and, not one of those guys. It's reminiscent on some of those early Drew Brees years where he's throwing to you know, guys that you'd never heard of. And you know, toward the end of this year, when you had a lot of guys hurt, you know, typically throughout his time, he's to, Drew Brees is throwing to guys that you never heard of. And Tom Brady has done the same thing. Tom Brady has made you know, receivers out of nothing throughout his career. He's thrown to nobody. Just and so at-
1: New England fans have been spoiled.
2: Because yeah, 100%. you wake
1: up this morning and you stumble out onto Twitter and you know you do something that you shouldn't be doing, you go into the replies section and you look at what some folks are saying about this thing, and the trolls are yes. out there and they're unhappy that he's coming back. I'm like, all right, so uh, who who did
2: you That's want? Exactly what I was about to say. I have the list of free agents lined up right here. Jameis, I can understand if you want to get Jameis, if because I think that he could if. You can work out some of the kinks in his game, which I, he's been under. But would that, he do
1: better with the talent that Cam's got around him?
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if he would or not. I think, actually, I think he might because I think Jameis is a better quarterback right now than Cam Newton is at this stage of his career. I think Cam Newton is a little past his prime, and he's taken a lot of hits to the body. Fair and that's, point. And that's the only thing I worry about in his. In his scope, I worry about his body and it breaking down on him. But Cam's not going to throw interceptions that are going to lose you games. But we don't know if Jameis Winston's going to do that right now either. We haven't seen him in two years. He's been under that Drew Brees tutelage. It, did that work? Did it not work? We've, we yet, to, we've yet to see that. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, do you really want that? Do you really want him? He you definitely want, wouldn't have Do you want that. Mitchell Trubisky, Andy Dalton? Alex Smith could have been an option. I could have seen them try to you know make a run in him and free agency for that. Alex Smith? Yeah, because the. I mean, I can see it. I mean, I can see that. He's, if you're he,
1: talking about quarterbacks that are past their prime, have took a lot of hits. Oh Alex yeah, but Smith if you're to go, much farther gone. But than what Dan did Newton.
2: what did Tom Brady do in New England towards the end of his career? Check down Charlie. He was he was those slants. He was. But Alex drags. Smith is
1: also not as good of a quarterback as Tom Brady. I is. mean,
2: obviously, yeah. But I mean, you can throw to guys like your you know uh what's his name slip my mind like guys like james white and rex burkhead and your. are still still out there if he i mean i don't even know if he's coming back i mean and if you want to think of a trade all right you could trade for marks mariota and the raiders sam Darnold. they're not going to trade him within in the division do you want jimmy garoppolo back because i'm pretty sure you shipped him out to san francisco because you realize he wasn't that good and you're trying to get some value out of him russell wilson deshaun watson you don't have enough to get either of those guys on your team at least for Trade value eyes
1: and a lot of Patriots fans wanted Matthew Stafford, but after the Matthew, Matthew Stafford, Stafford didn't want it.
2: <laughs> well, he didn't want did to go Matthew there. Stafford not want it, or did no? Matthew Stafford straight up said, "Do not." He okay. He said on his little sheet, he's when he was talking to Lions, he said, "Do not send me to New England specifically." I, feel like was, I
1: must have gotten that story mixed. That was up. the
2: only thing he said. He said, "I don't." Uh, it's want... it's because he
1: didn't want to go back to see Matt Patricia.
2: Yeah, because Matt Patricia was Fair. a terrible coach and actually ruined him. And that. Look, the, the Patriots are going to be looking for a quarterback, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up taking one in this draft. I mean, they pick 15th. A lot of the big guys are going to be gone. You might see a guy like Mac Jones, Caltrass, still available at that position if they want to go there. Um, somebody like that, because I don't think they have enough to make a leap. I,
1: I don't w- want to put this evil on Auburn fans, but, you know, I could totally see a world where Mac Jones ends up being. The, six, the quarterback yeah. for the Patriots and he unseats Cam Newton and ends up doing an amazing if, job while Cam Newton's the backup. If you're looking I at a, see that if you're
2: looking at a guy who you're bridging because you if the Patriots have been a smarter organization over the years for for the most part in terms of how they dealt with guys, you're looking at this situation you're saying there's not a guy out there who is going to fix our quarterback problem. Let's bring a guy back who knows the system who was playing very well up until the COVID, you know, the COVID outbreak that, that happened within the facility and the organization. He might could come back and play very well. And just cause I say that I'm a little lower on him because I think he's a little past his prime is not it's not indicative of the fact that I'm saying he is a god awful, terrible quarterback. He made some good throws, but towards the end, the end of the season, his ball had a little less, you know, a little less oomph on it. You saw him, you know, shorten guys on some throws, making some bad, you know, decisions and he has another year in this offense where he might could actually do some damage worst case scenario he's bad you tank a little bit and then you're picking towards the top of the draft and then you can fix your quarterback problem with a guy like sam howell interesting that's the way i look at it i look at it as i mean it's not the end of the world it's more of like a bridge Mitch trubisky
1: nah i said that (laughs) mitch mitch trubisky I don't even know what I said the first time.
2: MVP award I said winner said Trubisky. I, I
1: don't. know what that is. <laughs>
2: One-time MVP award winner. Don't forget about that.
1: I, I just get this vibe that like Sam Howell could end up having the kind of trajectory that Mitch Trubisky and he, had, and, he and that's he just could. because a they wore the same college uniform yeah. and b they you know he kind of took a step back this year. He in did. UN, at UNC.
2: He did. I, I'm I'm not saying that he's the be all end all to fix it. Obviously, also I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots tried to find a way to trade up in the draft and try to steal a guy like maybe a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance in that three or four slot I think the first two slots are locked in I think you're going I think you're going to see Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson it, from everything that I've read the Jets the Jets are loving Zach Wilson and a little bit down on Justin Fields so, I mean if you're the Patriots you could trade back up in there and get a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance I mean that would really help out and you could put a guy like Trey Lance behind Cam Newton and you know because Trey Lance is a little bit raw. He needs to work on a couple things, kink out some things out of his game. But Patriots fans, th- to be mad about this situation. You
1: should you, be mad that they haven't gotten him a receiver.
2: You need to be mad. You're mad at the wrong thing. You need to be mad that N. Kill Harry hasn't been on the field a lot. That well, He Mich- stinks. That, yeah, and that Sonny Michel is the most consistent player in the NFL consistently bad year in and year out you got to be mad at you know julian edelman for being hurt you got to be mad at that you're trying out jacoby myers and Gunnar Oshevsky. i mean what who is going to win with those guys who? outside of outside of tom brady or you know a peyton manning coming out of retirement at not at this stage of his career obviously but it's, it's just it's asinine to put this on cam newton
1: 100 percent, and and they need to get him some help because i think if they get him some help this thing can work out i was shocked to see how much the contract was one year, fourteen yeah. million dollars I was like, okay, so you're gonna make some money this well, year. Well, it, it seems like they, li- I mean, because it wasn't that much last year. Yeah. It was like a
2: minimum last year. Maybe he's shown them some things in workouts and stuff like that around the organization. They might really like the guy. They obviously wanted him back if it was for fourteen million dollars. I think they just saw that he was the guy. Look, I mean, you could have went out and gotten a Jameis Winston or somebody like that, but also they're gonna have to relearn the offense. Cam at least already knows the offense. He's already been point. there. He's made, you know, a lot of the guys on the team love him. He's made rapport. It make, it just makes a lot of sense. Worst case scenario, again, if you're bad, you're going to get a high draft pick and you can try to fix your quarterback situation that way. Best case scenario, you see you know, Cam return to NFL MVP form and you're winning the division and taking it away from Josh Allen.
1: And the Buffalo Bills, the hated Buffalo Bills. That, that is turning into quite the the rivalry, whereas it wasn't in the past. So on the other side of this break, we will wrap up the show, take you through what's going on in the SEC tournament that – Florida-Tennessee game just wrapped up. Not in favor of my bracket. We'll take you through that and what happened earlier on in the day and also get you prepared for tonight's action in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament. Stay with us here on On the Line. Closing out On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Neil Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you. We are six minutes out from the end of the show and then 10 minutes out from the drive with Bill Cameron at 4 p.m. on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. An entrepreneur from Brooklyn supposedly has an eco-friendly approach to sausage making. The real question is, do they still taste good? A new episode of Shark Tank on ABC at 7. If watching people dig in dirt for gold is your thing, a new episode of Gold Rush is on Discovery at 7. A desk-bound CIA agent moves to the field in a hilarious action-adventure. Melissa McCarthy stars in Spy on FX Movies at 6.45. Artificial intelligence is all fun and games until robots take over the world iRobot is on Sci-Fi at 6.30. In college basketball, conference tournaments are reaching the pinnacle. Who will claim automatic berths for the NCAA tournament? ACC tournament semifinal action on ESPN at 8 and a Big 12 semifinal in ESPN 2. The Big East has a semifinal on at 8 on FS1. Two NBA games are on NBA TV as we resume from the All-Star break. At 7, the Denver Nuggets take on the Memphis Grizzlies. At 9.30, LeBron James and the Lakers host the Pacers. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. College basketball still going strong on your television schedule tonight. SEC tournament action Missouri at number eight Arkansas or versus number eight Arkansas. 6 p.m. SEC network. Arkansas favored by five in that ballgame. Old Miss LSU. LSU only favored by one. 8 p.m. SEC network. That's a 6 3 game right there. Earlier today, Alabama That's, dismantled Mississippi it's, State.
2: It's, even, it's actually even shifted at this point. Oh. Ole Miss is favored now from certain – it depends on what line you're looking at, but certain places have Ole Miss as the favorite, some places have LSU as the favorite. It shifted a little bit over the day. Wow. They're, you're expecting a closed game today. Alabama
1: dismantled Mississippi State earlier in the day, 85-48. That really fits what I just said. Dismantled, 85-48. That's almost a 40-point win. In an SEC tournament quarterfinal, you won by 40 that's
2: that's that's i mean
1: shame shame tennessee florida just wrapped up 78 66 tennessee comes out victorious so tennessee alabama will play in the semifinals and then over here the bottom half of the bracket tonight once again missouri arkansas Ole miss lsu let's pick some of these games before we get out of here we got three minutes left in the show let's get after it seven missouri versus two arkansas what you thinking you had this exactly in your bracket. Your I, bracket looks good right now. Mine just got sliced. In I half. don't know
2: my cha- my tournament is my tournament That's champion fair, is it out. Yesterday, yeah. my tournament champion is out. But everything else on on this side of the bracket still alive. Um, I don't know. I was going into this. bottom
1: half looks good. Top bottom, half looks bad. Uh,
2: yeah. Um. So I, I liked Missouri going into this game. I started looking at the lines a little bit. Where you know Missouri at plus five. They're sitting there garnering about from sixty one percent of the bets. But then you look at it. You know they're g- garnering only about twenty percent of the money. That means that the thirty-nine percent that are betting on Arkansas account for eighty percent of the money that is going into this game. That means there's sharp action. That means there's big betters, and that makes me think that the <laughs> Hogs are going to win this one. I hope they don't. I want my bracket to stay alive. I think Missouri has a good chance. One that,
1: day you'll learn whoopig instead of doing that egregious noise. That's horrible.
2: I think. Uh, yeah, I uh. think. I think Arkansas wins this. I'm gonna be hoping the Missouri wins so my bracket kind of stays alive a little bit. I think this might be a little bit closer than we think. I think Arkansas should win. I'm I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna say Arkansas wins despite that. I'm Do I they cover? I think, I think that, they cover. I think they do. Basically, you know me. I'm I'm a numbers guy. Like I look at these lines and that's where I go a lot of my picks that way. I'm looking at this line and I'm thinking they cover. And I, I part of me I'm kind of even leaning towards. I thought it was gonna be close. I'm kind of leaning towards now just thinking that. Arkansas might run away with this one. I thought Missouri was going to win, but you know where my heart is. I look at the lines. I read the lines. I, that's purely subjective. Me looking at it. Yeah, in your bracket,
1: it, you had Missouri winning this game. Yeah, and,
2: and I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking Arkansas is going to win, just based off of line work and what I'm seeing for that.
1: Arkansas is my champion, and they're the team with the best record overall, but they are the two seed in this tournament, and I've got them winning this thing regardless of who they play, unless Alabama just destroys Tennessee tomorrow. I think that Arkansas is going to win this thing. Arkansas on an eight-game winning streak right now. Big difference here is the scoring. Missouri's defense giving up 72 a game. Arkansas giving up about 71. But Arkansas scoring almost nine points more per game than Missouri. This game, pace of play, Arkansas is going to turn up the heat a little bit. That is not going to work out for Missouri in this one. I like Arkansas winning this, and I would say they cover as well. If the line's five, I'd say they cover. That's That shouldn't be overly difficult for this Arkansas and it, it team to opened, achieve.
2: It opened at three and that's why you saw it shift to five real quick like it was a three-point you know they were they were three-point and then all that money came in they shifted to five real quick.
1: Last pick to make the one that's really on the line borderline a push right here Ole Miss LSU APM SCC Network.
2: I had LSU winning this game um, I'm starting to look at it a little bit I'm seeing you know about 42 percent of people betting on LSU I'm seeing about 73 percent of the money in this game is accounted for on LSU side as well. So it's looking like a lot more big money going in on the Tigers. Look, they can score with anybody. I'm not worried about the defense of Ole Miss kind of slowing them down. I do worry that maybe they give up. A, I don't think Ole Miss has enough offense. I don't think they have enough offense to keep up with LSU. So I think LSU is still going to win this game.
1: Ditto, my man. I think this LSU team is. They've probably got the best offense of the SEC on a consistent basis. But if some of the other teams get hot, then they're no longer problem. they're no longer in they can, that category. Problem is,
2: they can't really stop many people. Right.
1: They've given up 75 a game. This is, one of the, this is one of the poor defenses in the league, too. So I, I think this one ends up being intriguing for a little bit. But at the end of the day, LSU's not going to lose this one to Ole Miss. That does it for another edition of On the Line and another weekly edition of On the Line. We will be back next week, same time, same place. The Drive with Bill Cameron following us. You know where to find us, everybody. We'll see you next week.